What's up, what's up, North-South Connection? This is Mike Rossi. I'm hitting you up with another episode of Cronoso Daily, where today I will be covering the fifth bout on the big event, which was an event um, August 28th, 1986 from Exhibition Stadium in Toronto, Ontario. This match would be between Iron Mike Sharp and the Rebel, Dick Slater. Now, this was in a outdoor stadium. 74,000 were in attendance, which at the time was the outdoor attendance record. So some big stuff here. This definitely felt like a big show watching it, um, even though the matches itself you know, didn't really seem to invoke a ton of excitement from said crowd. Now, first and foremost, I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive on who exactly the rebel Dick Slater is. So, I mean, this was 1986. This was year 18 in Slater's career, but it was only about a month into his career with WWF. Uh, prior to his time in WWF, he was wrestling in NWA Florida, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Mid-South Championship Wrestling before he debuted in WWF in 1986 in July, which was just about a month before this show that we're covering today. Um, he was gone by spring of 87, so he had a pretty quick run in WWF, but he was positioned to be a, a baby face that the crowd never really fully got behind. After his time in WWF, he did move on to do a little bit of work in All Japan and the AWA, and then he wound down his career starting in 1989 with a seven-year run in WCW, where he teamed with, initially, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the Barbarian. Um, he won a set of U.S. tag titles in WCW with the Barbarian, which he then was, or they, as a team, they lost to Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Eaton at Clash of the Champions 20, which is kind of a cool little tidbit, and I didn't know shit about Dick Slater before this, so it's good for us all to learn here today. Um, then eventually he would end up in a, in a team with Mike Enos called uh, Team Rough and Rowdy. Now, Mike Enos was one of the Beverly Brothers, if you were not aware of that. Um, so, you know, had a, had a pretty good WCW run. This brought him to 1996 or so. Um, and then, unfortunately, Dick Slater did pass away 2018 at the age of 67. So, at this point, he was still, you know, late 30s in the WWF run. Pretty big guy, six feet tall, 235 or so. And he's in there with Iron Mike Sharp, who is another pretty big guy. So these two kind of look like a hoss battle when you're looking at him. I mean, I know six feet in today's day and age isn't huge, um, or even in that day and age it definitely wasn't. But these are a couple burly guys that were going at it on this day. Now, Iron Mike Sharp was 6'4", 283. So he was really big. Um, when you look at the two, I mean, there was definitely a size difference, but it didn't seem like it was that wide of one. I mean, 50 pounds seems kind of crazy. I'm sure Iron Mike Sharp was billed higher than he actually was, but that's how the nature of the business worked. Everybody got billed higher than they actually did weigh. Uh, but regardless, um, Iron Mike Sharp did debut in wrestling in 1975. He was 24 years old at the time. Then he started in WWF in 1983, where he stayed until he eventually retired in 95. He was pretty semi-regular in WWF programming throughout the mid-1980s and early 1990s. Um, he always announced himself as Canadian, Can Can Canadian, I almost said. Wow. Canada's greatest athlete. Uh, Canada's greatest athlete um, was a nickname that was taken from Gene Kaninsky. So in 1984... Um, you know, McLean's itself verified Sharp's claim to the title of being Canada's greatest athlete, which he was able to 
used to distinguish himself. He's constantly yelled and grunted throughout his matches. And he always wore a black brace on his right, right forearm, which was supposedly to protect an injury, but more widely was believed to always contain a foreign object. So he was the consummate heel during his WWF run. When he first came in, he was mar- um, managed by Captain Lou Albano, and he got a pretty good push. Uh, you know, mostly de- defeated jobbers on like the low level TV and, and house shows. Um, they had a big match with Bob Backlund in Philly in '83, um, where he was defeated uh, by the champ at the time uh, in Backlund, and he never really reached those heights again. He kind of just toiled in, you know, that jobber role, you know, bigger guy jobber role for a while. Um, he did have a, a match with Ivan Pusky when Putsky came back in 1987 at MSG. And then he even pinned uh, Boris Zukov in the 1988 King of the Ring. Um, but he was actually a tag partner, even though he was a heel, of Hulk Hogan when Hogan toured in New Japan Pro Wrestling in early 1984. Because Hogan, yes, he did play a heel himself in Japan. Uh, he was positioned briefly as a babyface in 1988. But this time that we're looking at 86 was, you know the culmination of him being a heel and, and kind of being a chicken shit heel to boot. Now, this big event show was mostly, you know, quick matches. There was 12 matches they crammed into two hours, with the main event being Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff. So, I mean, you had a lot of matches here that were, you know, could be described basically just as filler. Now, to my point, Iron Mike's selling was so loud, right off the opening bell, um... Dick Slater had control, and he's yelling, oh, no, no, no. Uh, he was bailing out after every move, uh, but judging by the overall reaction he had, it mu- everything that he did must have hurt because he was screaming at the top of his lungs as much as possible, which was kind of what Iron Mike Sharp did. Um, there was a neck breaker at one point, Russian leg sweep and elbow from the top that finished the match. Uh, Dick Slater had pretty much full control of this match from bell to bell. It was 2 minutes and 46 seconds. It was a squash. There was literally nothing to see of value. Uh, Mike Sharp's selling was really the only part of this match that had any sort of in-depth value. Uh, Pretty funny to watch. Uh, But, you know, Dick Slater was the guy that they were definitely pushing at this point. They used him um, in this spot to pretty much chase Sharp around when Sharp was playing chicken shit heel. Um, But overall, Sharp lost this match in pretty convincingly quick fashion. So... Um, everything was quick about it. There was really no way for even Slater to get momentum. Crowd was dead as hell during the duration of this match. Um, and I will have to say, this is not a match that I think you need to go out of your way to see. Um, nor is really any match on this show. Um, now, there's obviously some cool things that we'll get into over the next couple days. There's a cool Ricky Steamboat match with Jake the Snake. And obviously the Hogan match with Orndorff. Um, as well as another match with... Uh, Harley Race and Pedro Morales, which was a little bit of a dud. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next coming days. And, you know, those guys had a had a little bit more of a fun match to watch than this one as I had a 2-minute-and-46-second two, two squash here that really did nothing to help either of them long-term as Slater, as I noted, was out of the company about six, seven months later. So, so thank you for being with me again here on Cronoso Daily. I know this is a little bit of a shorter one, but the 2 minute 46 second match, I can't really go much longer than 7-8 minutes. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your day and I will catch up with you again later.